Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Sverson and I'm joined today by my colleague Nora Kamprapuli, editor Germany, and Tina Saltvet, who's a chief analyst at Nordea Bank. So a warm welcome to you both. Hello. Today we'll talk about the challenges in transforming the way we produce and consume energy. Tina, you were a former oil and gas analyst and now you're looking at the renewable sector. It, that's quite an interesting change. Can you explain the reasons for your direction or your, your move into the more into the green side of things, the re- renewable sector? Well, first of all, it's a personal matter uh, mm-hmm. because I wanted to work with something I uh, thought is the future. I'm starting to get a bit afraid of what we're seeing, like how the uh, the effect of the CO2 emissions on mm. basically on the earth, mm. uh, the climate changes, and uh, also because it's very interesting to follow up on the new energies or the new energy sectors, how mm. they did develop, there were new companies coming in. So uh, I think it's both uh, like a personal worry about uh, the changes in the climate, but mm. also because it's very interesting to to see the new hmm. new energy sources and not at all the new sectors building up. For sure. I mean, how, how do the sectors compare? Oh, they're very different from oil and gas. I mean, that's mature sectors, mm. um, especially, you know, the, the oil market is a global market. Mm. Um, wind, solar power, they're still, you know, local markets. Um, they're not that interconnected uh, mm. so uh, and also the companies could be small mm. um, it's re- so I would say they're more fragmented as well so uh, but of course it's new yeah yeah so, so uh, it will develop mm. if you compare it to the gas market that is still uh, it's becoming more international be- with the LNG uh, mm. but of course uh, it's more regional I would say it's not totally global yet not yet anyway no from a personal perspective I I, I always sense quite a big difference between the gas and the renewable sectors in, in some of the ways that you've described. I've, um, in terms of terms of age and gender and dynamism of the people, you know, of, of the markets, um, would it would it be fair to characterize the old sort of gas and the oil majors as dinosaurs and some of the the younger, I mean, or some of the renewables companies as more sort of dynamic and fast moving, reacting to change? I think some of the old companies start or want or they, they basically see the future also within the green sectors. Mm. Uh, they might be because they feel threatened about the development. They don't want to end up as a dinosaur. Mm. But some of the old um, fossil uh, fuel producers, the oil companies, uh, say that, okay, this is not my niche, you know. Mm. I want to stay in, in the sector I know I can do. Mm. And then, you know, we have to compete for the last barrels we are going to produce. Mm. Uh, some say that, okay, this gives us a new opportunity. We want to grow into the new green sector. We want to use the experience, the technology we have and try to transfer that into the new areas. So Mm. new green areas, Mm. for example, offshore wind. So uh, I think it varies a bit and it Mm. varies also what a big you know, the oil companies want to do. Some of them are going into um, battery production. Mm. Uh, some of them are going into electricity. Some of them are going into solar, wind mm. power. So it varies a lot, I so would say. So I think we'd want to come back to that in terms okay. of the different strategies, uh, uh, you know, adopted by, by the, the oil and gas majors into their, their move into renewables. But I remember a colleague of mine at a rival Newswire, he was, he was booed off stage at a gas conference in Singapore. I think it was an oil and gas conference because he, he suggested that the gas companies should look to German utilities for an example of what happens if you don't adapt to disruptive change. And they weren't very happy. The audience wasn't very happy with that. Have you ever witnessed anything like that? Well, 
I think uh, what we're seeing now, if I think some of the uh, oil and gas companies have, maybe they got the shock from what we've seen in the coal market, mm. because there's no doubt that both that the demand for coal seemed to, to uh, face an end soon. Mm. But the other part, I think, is also the consumer, you know, how the consumers look at industry as such. Mm. And I think they're starting to feel the pressure that, you know, people are starting to blame them for for you know the uh, climate changes we're seeing around mm. so it's uh, negativity is uh, increasing against you know the fossil fuel producers and i think they can feel it as well you could see that on the marketing campaigns for example how they want to brand themselves mm. often you see that they brand an oil company next to a windmill yeah. why do you do that because they want to be um, accepted in the audience as well and the public so mm. uh, so i think uh, you know they feel the pressure so i think you know, we're, gonna, we're talking here about how how they reacting to change um, these oil and gas majors. But do you think all of them see the need to transform, or is there certain certain companies in certain parts of the world that are, are more uh, reacting more quickly? We've seen that European companies, oil and gas companies, are more into you know changing mm. than the American ones. Mm. Uh, some of the Americans uh, don't seem to feel that much pressure mm. actually about the climate changes at all. Uh, but we can see that European ones are testing out new markets mm. uh, to a larger extent. The rest, I wouldn't say, are they mm. changing very much. Middle mm. East, Asia, we haven't seen big changes there. But also, you know, in Europe, I think it depends a bit on the size of the company as well, because if you don't have that big amount of money you can lean on, uh, mm. you know, you're probably more careful about testing out new markets. Uh, so I've seen talk to oil companies saying that, you know, the new green uh, energy sector is not something for us because mm-hmm. we don't think that we have any, well, our experience and, and technology is not within that area. We want to stay where we are and rather compete with the other oil companies mm-hmm. about the last barrel yeah. than, you know, moving into something we don't know anything about. Yeah. And we have seen also that some of the, the, you know, the oil companies that want to test out the new green markets, they're moving slowly mm-hmm. because it's not... Uh, one thing is the technology and experience you have from producing oil and gas. But the other thing is that how do actually the uh, the wind and solar market work? Mm. Who are your competitors? Who are your co- uh, clients? What kind of contracts do you have? Mm. So this is new. You have to learn that as well. And I think that is where, you know, most of the challenges uh, lies, not necessarily the technology, but, but, you know, how the market works. But do you think some of the pressure to change is coming from outside is in terms of, you know, pension funds looking at who they're investing in? I mean, this, this is part of the, the pressure on the companies that they're, they're, they're facing pressure from, from shareholders or from, from pension funds or, you know, to, to change. Insurance companies, especially, well, that's the coal sector, I guess we're seeing more. But is there a worry that this could apply to, to oil and gas down the road? Or? I think we have already seen that uh, that um, the financial sector is starting to change here, because we in the financial sector, since I work here, uh, we you know we have started to uh, actually require come or we actually measure companies we are lending money to or financing we're also investing in uh, because we want to uh, know the climate footprint also the um, sustainability footprint of the company so every company you know we lend money to or are financing or investing in we make a um, sustainability ranking uh, of the company they get a score and that score is part of also the credit process Mm. so of course they feel the pressure but we also see that many of the big investors 
For example, the Norwegian Oil Fund have said that, you know, we, uh, or it was actually the Ministry of Finance who came out uh, mm. uh, last year and said, okay, the uh, Norwegian Oil Fund should co- uh, should um, sell out of EMP, exploration and production companies, not the companies that have downstream production or, or also are moving into the green sectors, but the pure, you know, EMP companies. Mm. And of course, that created a reaction in the uh, in the markets because the, the Norwegian Oil Fund is mm. the largest sovereign wealth, uh, mm. wealth fund in the world. It uh, owns 1.4% of the listed stocks in the world. So, of mm. course, when they're moving, that makes a, a note to the rest of the world. And what we saw was that the, uh, um, the energy index in Europe fell by 1.7% when mm. this uh, message came out. Mm. So, of course, what the big, uh, the big uh, you know, either pension funds or the big funds are doing, the big, large uh, investors, when they starting to move and set a new direction, of course, the smaller ones will follow, but mm. in... Yeah, in different timing here, of course. But uh, when you say energy index, what do you mean, Tina? The energy index fell by one point seven percent. Yeah. So what, what's that? Is that an index of all the energy companies? Or I haven't got yeah. into the details. Okay, okay. But, it, but, but, it, okay. <laughs> but it certainly created lots of ripples there, didn't yeah. it? That, that, I, that I think movie. it was probably some MSCI. I, I'm not sure. I haven't got into. Okay. No yeah. worries. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned that we can see a divide between European and uh, and maybe American, Asian, Middle Eastern companies. Um, and and what I've noticed here, some companies, you know, they started or they they already implemented a name change to to sort of change their image away. Especially here in Norway, we've seen Stat Oil, uh, who has changed their name to Equinor. A bit less clear was uh, in, in Denmark, we've seen Dong, that's used to stand for Danish Oil and uh, Gas uh, Company, I believe into Ørsted, do you think that's just PR or is it really sort of trying to uh, to showcase that the thinking within those companies is changing? Well, Dong is actually selling out of oil and yes. gas, so of course that's not a show-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're moving into the green sector. Statoil, now Equinor, uh, I don't think that is greenwashing either, but I think they're moving slowly because they want to gain experience before they really start to heavily invest in sector. Uh, these are sectors that I know very much about, for example, wind uh, production. They want to use the experience and also some of the technology they have, especially for offshore wind, because uh, they know the offshore sector very well. But of course, you need to test, you need to see how how is the market working. They don't mm. have that experience, of course, when going into a new market. And test also, you need to deliver, I mean, you need to deliver return on the, uh, your investments at the end. So, uh, of course, they want to test out and see how how that works so and now it looks much more promising i would say um so of course uh, i i guess um they will you know increase those investments going forward as well so i think uh, you know uh, from the start moving a bit slowly to to learn mm. gain experience and i think that is why they also partnered up with um, a solar company in in south america also because they mm. uh, There was a new market and wanted to have a partner. So Mm -hmm. different ways of doing it. But uh, I don't think for, as we have seen for other European oil and gas companies as well, I don't think this is greenwashing. You can rather ask about the marketing of all Mm -hmm. of this sometimes, but not the actual uh, strategy of doing it. I I think that is, you know, that they want to gain um, 
they, they actually see profit coming into these markets in the mm. future. Mm. And it's not that long until they expect that so both solar and, and wind power uh, have fallen so much in cost that you don't need subsidies. And of course, that will also remove the uh, political risk which is connected to it. And mm. when you reach that point, I think you reach the tipping point where you will see much more capital coming into the market mm. uh, because capital owners are all often very don't like too much of political risk here yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. so I think uh, you know we're seeing we will see more changes in this and more investment coming in in the future and what we've also seen where maybe these companies don't have the technology or the know-how themselves they go the route of acquisitions we've seen with some of the more continental uh, uh, European players like BP or Total they have bought uh, I think Shell as well, they have bought Sonnen, which is a German uh, solar battery producer, but they also produce very large batteries that balance grid. So they have used this uh, and they also bought Lime Jump, which kind of uh, aggregates and, and, and provides PPAs uh, for, for sort of flexible generation. Do you think those are different strategies uh, where you don't have the knowledge yourself, you, you acquire companies and, and, and that will help them grow and how much investment of the overall pot, I mean, there are huge companies with a big balance sheet, um, is actually going into into the green sector. Well, I think it's, uh, as you say, a different strategy here. Some some of the companies want to use the experience and move that uh, into new uh, new areas, uh, but other companies want to, you know, need to buy the experience and and you know the technology because they don't have it at the moment. So it's different way of ways of doing it. As we're seeing at the moment, you know, the investments in the new energy sources are not that big compared to, to the rest. So still, you know, the, uh, the oil and gas companies in, uh, in Europe, if you look at the portfolio, it's not really reflecting, you know, the Paris goals. Mm. So they still invest more uh, in fossil fuels than they do mm. in the uh, in the green sectors mm. or battery technology. So, um, so do you have any idea of the ratio there? I, I don't, no. uh, but it's small. Okay, it's because small. it's so mm. small that they hardly re- report it in the quarterly reports. So. Okay, so that's, that's quite minimal. <laughs> you say something. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So again, as you say, falling far short <laughs> of the Paris goals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Do you, is your impression that they have a clear? strategy or is there kind of buying solar buying batteries buying retail just sort of trying a bit of everything and see what works i'm not mm. really sure about uh, but, but of course they have a strategy of they want to go in there otherwise they wouldn't be there at all mm. and i guess because they also see that you know the shift can come quite fast and also you know costs have come down so fast as well mm. solar power 80 percent within the last 10 years wind power Absolutely. i mean 50 percent so i mean it shouldn't take that long before you start earning money in these markets as well and of course battery technology if you can break, you know, that, you know, who will be the first one to actually make batteries so uh, so well functioning that you can actually store electricity for a bit longer period, mm. then, of course, you will reduce the, uh, you know, the argument that you need, for example, natural gas as a bridge mm. or as a, as a backup as well uh, for solar and, and wind power. Because uh, And I think Tesla is starting to get there. We're mm. launching this new mm. battery. I, I guess now energy co- companies before oil and gas companies seeing this as well. So they want to be part of this development, but moving slowly because they don't have the experience yet. Mm. No, but do you think the, the oil and gas majors are becoming a threat to traditional utilities? We also see that they buy retail companies that sell power. And if we are now looking at the emergence of electric vehicles, you could argue that in the future, you know, you don't pump 
petrol at a, at a at a petrol station is going to be power. Is that future moved, and and will it push out traditional sellers of electricity? They might. I mean, they're coming in as uh, as uh, competitors. Uh, that could change the market. We've seen that in the uh, car market. You know, completely new players totally changed that market. Tesla was one. Google and Apple is another. Mm. So in introducing new strategies, the new way of thinking, new technology, of course, will change the market uh, mm. as well. And that could be good. Mm. You know, for the car market, it's been very good because the car, the traditional car makers, they di didn't want the uh, electric cars to come into the market. It was very difficult and. Several had tried before, but you know when they uh, when Tesla came and you know opened up for others and the new technology was introduced and and customers started to like this, uh, you know that totally has changed the market and you now see all almost all the the car producers mm. are introducing electric cars. Mm. So I I don't think that you know new dynamics in the market are uh, are bad. I think you know it might threaten somebody. Some of the existing companies, but is that bad mm. or is it good to get mm. new competition and more efficiency? Maybe, mm. maybe that is what we need to to adapt. And it forces them, the established players, to change as well. You know, as as it happened in the EV markets. Absolutely. Yeah, the market. So um, I'm not necessarily uh, negative mm. to that. I, I, it might actually speed up the prices. So, how do you see the demand for oil and gas developing in, in Europe? Generally, I mean, you you mention now that there's a there's a favorite you know phrase from the from the gas company. They like to say it's a bridging fuel between between what we have now and and the future. I mean, would you agree with that, or do you think that you know certain technological transformations could render that uh, not exactly applicable? Yeah, because the oil uh, demand has de decreased. I mean, especially mm. you see uh, on the fuel side. Traditionally, it's more on the fuel side. We use oil in Europe. You don't use it that much for heating or, of course, you do have something in other areas as well, but more than 60% goes to transportation. So when mm. you will have, when the cars have become much more efficient and that is a way that you can blame the oil companies themselves. When mm. letting oil prices go up to almost $150 per barrel, of course, we as consumers find more efficient solutions. Mm. Uh, mm. And of course, that triggered the investment in green uh, green energy as well. Mm. And also, you know, the European uh, or the European policies uh, by being more, you know, they want to be more independent mm. of any supplies. Um, they want to cut CO2 emissions and, you know, also want to, want to introduce more green energy. Mm. That has a big impact on the total fossil fuel production and consumption in Europe. Mm. So, uh, and uh, with the last European elections we have seen, or the EU election as well, you saw that the Green Party Artists are moving up sharply, mm. so I think you know they want to speed up even more, and that is of course a threat to the the gas companies mm. because uh, they want uh, they wanted to be that bridge builder. Mm. Of course, um, we can see that the EU at least production of natural gas is going down, and will be interesting to see with the UK as well. Mm. They started with some shale gas production, and now they, we saw these earthquakes coming. Mm. Mm. Uh, scary, I, yeah, I find it at least. Yeah. I guess this. Uh, that will increase the uh, opposition against this kind of production as well. So you want, I, I think it looks like the EU wants to speed up the move to go more straight into the green areas. And mm. if you could, of course, make the, the um, networks more flexible, 
you know, more connected as well. So you get more connection between the uh, the European uh, electricity networks. And of course, if you can introduce more uh, efficient batteries, mm. why should you invest that much in natural gas? Mm. So for but we see it here in in Norway as well. We're getting more, you know, um, we're getting more competition um, in the natural gas market in Europe. First of all, the uh, consumption is going down. Then you have much more cheap LNG coming out yeah. from the US, Qatar, Australia. Not in Europe, it's in the rest of the world. And uh, you know, so the natural gas market is, uh, yeah, it's also developing. It's also changing yeah. in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering as well, Dina. Do you do you have a view on I mean, you mentioned offshore wind. Do you mm-hmm. have a view on floating wind? I mean, do you think that has has a has a future? And if so, where? We absolutely hope so in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. No, I, I think you know it does uh, does have a, um, a big opportunity because uh, we've seen many places, not only in this country, uh, mm. that it's uh, a lot of opposition to have uh, onshore wind production. Mm. Of course, because. Uh, Working with sustainability, you know, one thing is that working, if you only look at the climate effect, it's nice to have wind power also mm. on land. Mm. Uh, but, you know, these uh, windmills do take up some land that could be used for other things, agriculture, you know, for food production, or or it could actually be a, a threat to... to um, ecological uh, you know environment so um, moving it out onshore would help um, of course when you can have a floating wind power or you could mm. move it quite far from from shore mm. and you can actually move it as far out as the uh, oil oil uh, rigs are mm. or producing today mm. and of course then you can't so some people have complained about they don't like windmills. Mm. So of course you wouldn't see them, and mm. they could be massive. They are massive. Testing out these new windmills, much more power, of course, as well. Mm. Then you need, um, <clears throat> of course, you need to get the uh, electricity to land if yes. that's where you're going to use it. But you know, mm. more power with with. Uh, huge um, wind parks mm. of course you get newer questions there because then you will compete with fish uh, fisheries or uh, fishermen or mm. and uh, and of course how it affects uh, you know the oceans uh, but still japan is one place where they uh, would look into to mm. floating wind because they have uh, quite uh, deep seas outside mm. the coast mm. and they want uh, to have green power and they don't want to import. They import a lot of their their um, energy. Mm. So uh, I think floating wind could be very interesting for, for Japan. Mm. And it's certainly, certainly safer than floating nuclear plants. Uh, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, but I mean, uh, do you think... The, the, the driver behind that will be the, the, the so-called the old oil and gas majors? or do you, And do you think they could, how far away from creating offshore, you know, floating offshore wind without subsidies? Are we, are we five, ten years away from that? Or? Yeah, we're still five, ten years away, I will say. Mm. Uh, you need still to develop the technology even further. And then, um, of course, you haven't tried to make it, you have to scale it up yes. to mm. get the cost down. Mm. And we're not even close to that yet. So that is why we uh, hoped we could make a home market for that in Norway. To mm. be, uh, we probably don't need that much electricity as such, since we have uh, a lot of uh, of hydro. Mm. Uh, but we could export more green energy, and we could also attract mm. more um, energy intensive industries to come to settle mm. in Norway. Mm. So in that kind of sense, we hope that the mm. government will actually focus more on this kind of production. Mm. 
It's interesting they have actually supported that now as well to have a test to produce floating wind to use the electricity for for mm. having or access to more clean uh, energy to mm. the uh, oil rigs. But mm. uh, of course that could be used other uh, other areas as well. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid. That's about all we have time for okay. this week. So, so thank you very much, Tina and, and Nora. Um, and uh, listeners, make sure you tune in next week. Also, remember to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you can subscribe to the Montel Weekly Podcast on iTunes and Spotify.